Welcome to the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 Podcast. I'm Ryan Vasquez. And I'm Stephen McNally. And we are your home for F1 racing on this side of the pond. And with the Miami Grand Prix wrapped up in the rearview mirror, uh, we just wanted to briefly share, you know, kind of our quick reactions on what we thought of the race. Right? Yeah. uh, You know, again, lots of talk about this race going in to the race and out of the race. But I will say that this race was better than I thought it was going to be, but also still leaves you wanting. Yeah, I think, you know, because we, we did our, our preview after qualifying, so we had that bit of information to go off of, and we had a mixed grid. We had Max starting in ninth. We had Charles down starting in seventh and Lewis starting in 13th. Uh, that coupled with... You know, the chance of a passing thunderstorm, we thought it had all the makings of an instant classic. I still think we ended up with a solid race, and I feel like the people who are kind of piling it on, calling it boring, need to have a little bit more nuanced take on the race itself. For sure. I think, you know, just because Max is inevitable at this point, it doesn't necessarily mean that it was a bad race. It was an impressive show from him as well, uh, especially that, that. pass that he made early on um that uh you know you can sit there and say that you know max had a superior car but he also did some superior driving there and so i you know for me i think what contributed to this was some wonky qualifying like we mentioned it definitely contributed to some better cars out of position but those cars were able to the good drivers the and good cars uh, for the most part were able to move up through uh the race uh, and and get competitive and where you would expect them to be, um, and then you know you have Ferrari, so you know right. that is what it is. I mean, I you know to to touch on one point where you talked about, uh, I, I think you're referring to Max's double overtake on the front yes. stretch when he uh, got Magnussen and Leclerc, um, and yeah, you don't want to just chalk that up to, oh, you know he's in the faster car. He really had to set himself up to make that move. You know that that was. You know, racecraft of putting your car in the right position and being opportunistic, and that's more than just having extra speed. No, he definitely knew what was happening there. He obviously trusts his car. He knows his car is the best car on the track, or he believes it, and it's true. But uh, once you know your car can do it, he set his car up perfectly to take advantage of that situation. He knew what they were going to do. He set them up well, and he... He, he played it perfectly. So anyone taking anything away from Max, and a reminder, this is not a Max Verstappen fanboy podcast, but all all praises due to a talented driver. Right. Um, I, I, I feel like that's a, is especially poignant this weekend, and it's something we'll dive deeper as we get into a uh, deeper breakdown of this race. Uh, at the moment, we're just kind of uh, licking our own wounds on this side here. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Max faced quite a bit of say negative energy from the you know uh, people in attendance there was some booing there were people flipping the birds uh pre-race post-race and and listen we may not have max on our you know mount rushmore of favorite drivers but as far as you know talented um definitive uh you know expert well-rounded put him behind the wheel of anything he's the fastest out there got to give him props where it's due like that's that's where he is you know he's he's gonna end up among the greats 
I think everybody's kind of had that time of, you know, we're just tired of this guy winning. And, you know, as Dolphin fans, we look at Tom Brady and, and the Patriots in the same way. Like, you know, we have to at some point respect them for getting the job done. We may not like seeing them win year after year, but all respect due. So I, I think there was just a, a too hard tinge of negativity uh, towards Max this time around. And that, that takes a lot for me to say. Yeah, and I think it's unfair to Max. I think most of this is being targeted at the fact that Red Bull and Max particularly seem to be so head and shoulders above the rest of the field that it seems like it's almost like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Why is Red Bull and that that Verstappen team so better suited to just dominate than any other team when we're supposed to have more parity in this field given some of the things they've instituted over the last few years and that can be frustrating for a lot of fans it's frustrating for us it's frustrating for a lot of teams i guarantee you but the fact of the matter is they've done better uh whether you like some of the things that might have given them an unfair advantage the the officials have ruled and have not given them any penalties beyond what they have um it is what it is you move on deflated balls or not this is where we're at right <laughs> and, and you know it's it's cyclical also you know it just happens to be max in this red bull right now before it was lewis an all-time great driver in an unbeatable mercedes car before lewis it was uh sebastian vettel in an mm-hmm. unbeatable red bull car and then before him you know fernando had his little peak where you know, it, he was in the right place with Renault and then Michael Schumacher in the right place with Ferrari. You know, it, it's the world-class driver in the best car. And when those two ha- two things happen at the same time, uh, the, the combination is just tough to beat. So you end up with some really dominant years. Um, and I think also going with this race, there is some recency bias. Uh, obviously, new fans to the sport. You know, you among them, as far as someone who's really starting to get deep into it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one, a little bit of being spoiled looking at 2021 as just a phenomenal year of back and forth championship competition between two drivers pushing it to the absolute limit. And we're like spoiled when you get that and then you don't get it every year afterwards. Uh, and the other thing is because that that's kind of an outlier. This has been more of a traditional Formula One race. Like, there was a battle for the lead. It just was happening further apart on the track. You know, it's hard to kind of, you know, gauge what you're watching until you kind of, like, acclimate yourself to the sport. Max and Sergio were racing each other the entire race just while on different parts of the track. Um because their strategies were different and their starting positions were different. So, you know, while they weren't, you know, bumper to bumper or, you know, wing to wing, they were both on each other's mind and both on each other's lap times the entire, uh, you know, duration of the race. They just happened to only share the space on the road once, but they were racing each other the entire time. Right. And this is, again, part of it's hard is that the two cars that are racing each other for the championship are on the same team so we're probably not going to naturally get the kind of knife fight to the death that we would get if they were not on the same team until maybe later in the season when you know someone has to win right but for for me i think a few things factor in here as far as this race goes um and we've talked about this some 
to a certain extent, Steve. Well, one, I want to address, um, they feel like people out there are feeling like Checo's not getting the same messaging over the radio as Max. I've been doing some research on my own and watching some of my favorite folks on Twitter, and that seems to be not true if you go back through the comms. Um, Checo is getting as much information, right? Yeah, so it's just it's hard to convey that during the race. So while you're right. watching it live, it seems like Max is getting all the information and Checo's getting hung out to dry. But like you right. said, there there are people who do their due diligence, and everyone's getting the same information. Yeah, a reminder that what we're getting on the broadcast, unless you're really immersing yourself, is a curated version and some ways to drum up some kind of, you know, uh, fire, some interest, some intrigue in a race. And they can only cover so much, you know, what they're trying to do. They're not sitting there every lap giving you what his engineer is giving back to Checo and Max and doing a side-by-side comparison. You can't do that, right? right? Especially when you're monitoring 18 other cars, right? So you're not going to get all of that, and, and that is what it is. So fair enough. Do I feel like they're going to prioritize Max over Checo? To a certain extent, yes. And that's fair or fair or whatever it is. That's just team dynamics. But I don't think anyone's sandbagging Checo. So we want to clear that up. Right. The, the, the other issue here for me is the tires. Um, it, this is getting ridiculous with tire strategy. It seems like, you know, there is traditional tire strategy and then there's what we're getting this year. You heard Christian during the race say, hey... You know, should you have started Checo on on the hearts? And Christian's like, you look at all the data and the mediums are the ones to do this, right? And it looks like from the beginning, the hards are the tire to go with. And, you know, you wonder if Checo started on the hard, would he have been in a different situation? Um, yeah, it seems like you're just able to lean... Well. <sighs> You know, we'll have to get into a deeper discussion between, like, can you lean on this tire, or is that tire just better managed? Because it, clearly, you could run the entire race, seemingly at the handful of tracks we've been to already. Some, you know, some guys have already done ninety-eight percent of the race on the hard tire. Logan Sargent did all but one lap on the hard tire this race. Not that it necessarily helped him, but if you manage the tire, you can go the whole race. Now, Carlos Sainz tried to do a undercut to get onto the hard tire, came out the first three laps, and was just absolutely on fire and worked his way past a couple cars in quick succession, but then had no pace the rest of the ways, no pace, excuse me, the rest of the race, and then ended up getting caught by Russell towards the end and was in danger of getting caught by Lewis as well. So, um,. But yeah, like we will have a discussion on, on if something needs a tire, change in the tire strategy from an F1 side. Um, but you're you're not going to have, you know, like it, it kind of takes the strategy out of it as far as you know how long you can run with this tire, and if you manage it, it'll last. That means you don't have to push. And if you're not pushing, you're not attacking. If you're not attacking, you're not overtaking. So I think that takes out some of the bite of the race with these super long stints. Right. One final thing to clear up too, uh, and it'll lead us into our, how we did on our predictions, but um, the perception that this race was boring, um, uh, 60 overtakes 
during this race, uh, more than last year's Miami race, more than any other race this season. Um, you may not have liked the way the race ended, and we might have had some wonky qualifying that contributed to this, but can't complain with 60 overtakes. And, um, you know, again, maybe the race could be better. We discussed some of the reasons why it wasn't possibly, but um, I do believe that Miami at least made some strides and creating a better race and obviously some things that didn't happen also contributed to not being the race we predicted as well right Stephen? right and you know tw- only two people finished the finished the race in the position they started with and unfortunately that that was 19th and 20th oscar piastri and logan Sargent. you know we had a complete shuffle of the starting grid um so i you know some of the overtakes you won't see because of the coverage some of the overtakes happen in 12th and 13th place where there may not be points up for offer, but there was plenty of action on the track. Um, and as far as our predictions, we definitely predicted that there would be action, but we didn't get anything that we predicted. Um, we'll start off with your predictions. Um, your one prediction was to have two separate DNF incidents. Uh, and this was the first race since July 2021 where nobody DNF'd, everybody finished the race. Yeah, it, it just boggles my mind um, that we didn't get, given some of the practice and given some of what we were seeing, um, we did not get at least one DNF. I, I thought two would be easy. We had DNFs last year, um, and I thought the rain might contribute. It seemed like the rain came and went fast and had no impact on this race. So I gambled, and I lost. That's all right. This next one you did win, though, uh, and it was more of a gamble than you would expect, but you said uh, Lewis Hamilton would get points, and starting from 13th, that wasn't a given, uh, but he had a great recovery drive and ended up in 6th. Right, and I don't know if I said this on the cast, but I believe that I did not think he would sneak in at 10th. I think he would get deeper into it. I didn't think he'd get as high as 6th, uh, so that was impressive for me, um, and I did not predict that, but um, I, I did did not think he would end up. I thought his car was much better. It's just a weird qualifying as it was. So I thought points would not be that hard of a of a sell. Nope, and he took a halfway decent haul. And uh, your last prediction was that Max wouldn't, wrong. <laughs> wouldn't finish on the podium. Uh, and, you know, he was in a podium position within, you know, 10, 12 laps. So, yeah, this, uh, is, uh, this is one of those things where I was more hoping that we get some funny stuff in the beginning, maybe some DNFs, some crashes, some wildness. He might get clipped. He might get cycled back. He might have some trouble. Um, and yeah, some teams might perform a little better. But some teams were definitely gambling on an early safety car. You know, the the McLarens were starting on softs, hoping that you know they could duck in real quick and get their change. And um, I, I think you know also with Max, the double overtake we talked about. You know, clearing out two for one and doing it on a straight, like you're not losing any time. That was the best case scenario for him to jump up from. I think at that point it was uh, seventh to fifth, and it was, uh, you know, saved him maybe 30 seconds of fighting and, you know, ended up being more enough for the difference. No, I think, you know, that we can go back to that point time and time again, and we will probably, depending on how it goes down to the end of the season, might be a major point in the reason uh, in the season why 
Max wins the championship over Checo if we keep this going because that makes all the difference in the world. The less you have to fight, the easier. He got up super quick. It was able to turn the strategy in his favor. Um, he had a better car, and he made sure that he didn't even really have to worry much about it. It didn't seem like anyone could fight with Max, yep. but uh, he did an excellent job. And again, it, all all credit to him. I you know, I was probably being more optimistic than realistic there. Well, we also thought maybe somebody would race him hard. You know, you're, you're in ninth is a really unforgiving place to be on lap one. Um, and, you know, if you're... <laughs> If you're behind Nick DeVries, that's always a precarious position to be. Uh, so he, he missed Max, got Lando instead. Um, so, you know, you, you can't win the race on lap one, but you can lose it on lap one. And we, we, yeah, we are definitely missing some drivers this year, Steve, that would definitely <laughs> change these races. Uh, a Latifi or a Schumacher, you know, crash or, you know, just stalling out on the on the field would have just changed things we don't have those guys anymore the rookies seem to be staying clean enough if not underperforming they, they at least stay out of trouble uh so you know true so that that is a total of one point to ryan uh for myself again i thought you know between rain and some incidents we'd have two safety cars we had none like i said first time in nearly two years I said we'd have another new podium finisher coming off of Charles Leclerc making the podium uh, last time out. Um, we didn't because Max came through and bumped everyone else off the podium. I thought George and Carlos had a good chance at it. Uh, ultimately fell just short, so no points there. But I did predict that Max would be dominant enough that he'd charge through the field and win. So I will take that one point for myself. And uh, that leaves us tied again after five races. Yeah. Uh, we are neck and neck. But I feel like not quite like Checo and Max where we are excelling and getting first second. I feel like we are we are missing on our, our predictions and we're we're like, you know, uh, we're more like Alpine. Meteor, to the middle. Yeah. We're, we're Alpine. We're just picking up the points at the end of the race just so we don't walk away empty-handed and ultimately, you know, uh, fighting for last. Uh, there's like an English term, like, oh, they're fighting for the wooden spoon. I think that's what it is. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're, we're just left fighting for the wooden spoon. Both me and Steve were a bit under the weather, so that got us a little bit late to this. But we wanted to make sure we caught you all up, and we'll be back strong for the next race for sure. Yeah, well, we, we will you know dive a little bit deeper into uh, this Grand Prix since there was uh, plenty more interesting uh, topics to kind of go over and um, implications for the rest of the year. We definitely want to talk about the driver introductions. which have been probably the most divisive thing to come out of this season so far. And will come up again later, as I think F1 officials are meeting with Hardys this week to discuss how they can improve things for everyone involved. And my people are talking to LL's people about him doing an introduction for us on the pod. Yeah, because he at least gets everyone's names right. Yes. TBD. (laughs) All right, well, that does it for this version or this edition of the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 podcast. I'm Ryan Vasquez. 
And I'm Stephen McNally, and we'll catch you next time across the line. Thank you.